Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. It is Crystal Lewis. Crystal has spent multifaceted years as a force in popular music. She's a four-time Dove Award-winning, three-time Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. Crystal dominated the chart for an entire decade, reaching a commercial peak in the genre with her Billboard Top 5 albums, Let Love In and Beauty for Ashes, in addition to Gold and the Grammy-nominated Fearless, which collectively sold hundreds of thousands of units and inspired young future superstars like Katy Perry and Tori Kelly. And in 1999, Kirk Franklin, who later produced the background vocals on Fearless, invited Crystal to sing on his Grammy-nominated original, Lean On Me, with R. Kelly, Mary J. Blige, and Bono. So... It's been three and a half decades since launching her extraordinary career as a contemporary Christian artist as, as a teenager. And three years after, at last full on embracing her passion for jazz on Rhapsody, uh, Crystal ascends one of her most empowering and dynamic musical mountains yet with the release of Together We Can, a collection featuring vocal duets and vocal ensemble originals and reimaginings that showcase and celebrate the joys of collaboration friendship, and creative camaraderie, while perfectly meeting our collective moment as we emerge from a time full of profound and dispiriting isolation. So let me bring her on. Hello, Crystal. Hi. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm so great. And if you will, allow me to gush on you for a moment because... (laughs) I can say easily that you are one of the most influential singers of of my life. I I think I have a gold your gold album. I definitely have it memorized word for word. And I just as a young singer hearing you and seeing what you did and uh, just l- living the life and career that you lived, you inspired me so much. And to this day, I still play your albums. I still listen to. I mean, there. Uh, I think the song "Gold" is like takes me to my deepest fields ever. So <laughs> I love to go to your music all the time. And just thank you for everything that you've done and all the creative works that you've put out there. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for saying that. I would be willing to venture um i would wager actually that you know the words better than me uh <laughs> gold at this point <laughs> so oh, i love that so much thank you for for saying yeah. that yeah great well i'm i'm so thrilled to have you here um tell us how how did 2021 go for you and how is 2022 starting out for you well um 
I would, if you don't mind, briefly back up to 2019, because that is when, as you kind of touched on, Rhapsody came out. Yeah. And that was my first uh, fully independent project, entirely on my own, um, just from a distribution standpoint and um, independent artist standpoint and all of that. Mm -hmm. I That was my second Kickstarter campaign that I... Um, launched and then successfully funded. And so I had these high hopes and these big dreams for Rhapsody and was so excited about it. It was such a pivotal, important season for me. 2019, that year was just like so full of new thing after new thing after new thing. And um, so for 2020, I was looking ahead to like, okay, we are gaining this momentum for that project and moving forward. And, um, and then COVID hit and all of that. And, you know, my experience was very similar to pretty much everyone else's. There was a massive lack of work, um, for quite some time. And so a dramatic drop in the momentum that I had worked so hard to create for Rhapsody. And, um, so toward the end, middle end of 2020, I started, having beautiful opportunities to play again and get to actually perform those songs live from Rhapsody almost for the first time. Not the first time because I did a little bit in 2019, but it felt like, okay, we're almost starting not from scratch entirely, but wow, we had to backtrack, you know, a yeah. little bit. Um, so then enter somewhere around mid 2020, during all the kind of like the peak of the chaotic, just crazy divisive, um, series of events that took place in our country, I wrote a song called Together We Can. And at the time, again, I was sort of in between this place of like, okay, let me let me get back on my feet in terms of heading in the direction of this specific dream that was Rhapsody, not really thinking ahead to an, the next project yet, because I felt like the last one hadn't even like hit its stride yet, you know? Yeah. And um, I, when I wrote it, it was sort of in response to what was going on in our world and in our country. And I reached out to three friends, um, all of whom are Broadway veterans. And um, their names are Teron Brooks, Camila Marshall, and Eden Espinoza. And they're just, just like stunning examples of what to do and how to do it in their, in their various genres. They're just incredible people, human singers. And um, I said, I wrote this song. I don't know what it's for, but I feel like I shouldn't sing it by myself. And at, when the time comes, I don't know what that time will be or when it will be, but would you sing it with me? And mm -hmm. they said, of course, yes. Yeah. So um, fast forward to January-ish of 2021, I thought, okay, I'd written a couple other things. And I thought, I, I think I wanna do this duets project, which I'd never done before. So I spent all of 2021 making that record and launching yet another Kickstarter for it and finagling and wrangling artists to come in. And um, I initially did not think I would be able to record in person with any of these people. And it turned out that um, out of the 11 songs on the record, there was only one that I recorded remotely with someone. Everyone else I was able to either get in the studio in LA, Orange County, or uh, Nashville, or Montana. So all of 21, my whole 2021 was spent creating Together We Can. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
2022, the album just came out a week ago. So 2022 was also spent <laughs> um, getting it off the ground and creating the actual physical physical product and fine tuning and mixing and mastering and all all those final final little steps to um, to getting it out. So my life has been together. We can for just coming up on two years. So. Wow. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's incredible. So do you find that it's just kind of a relief for you now and you're taking a little like breather now that it's out or or are things just ramping up again because now you have to uh, keep that momentum <laughs> going still? Yes. So I, I feel like the last month has felt a little bit like a breather, um, but it's also kind of felt like a lull, <laughs> which isn't the same thing as a breather. You know, sometimes a lull is more like, oh, wait, what's happening? It, should something else be happening right now? This feels like dead space, almost like the calm before the, the storm sort of yeah. kind of thing. Um, but now that it's out, I kind of feel like, okay, now what part of the hustle do I, do I attend to? Because it's all a hustle. I'm constantly having to figure out PR and social media and um, next steps and shows. Do I book a tour? How do I book shows? How do I, you know, figure out what all those next steps are and then how to execute them. Yeah, I know it's it's incredible how many things are involved. It's it's exhausting. So I it's no secret as to why, you know, certain certain artists will have time lapses between albums because it's like birthing a child and then raising it, you know, yeah. to kind of like keep it going. Unbelievable. Well, let's, let's so talk cool. about it. Let's talk about who's on the album. Um, some of the, some of your favorite cuts and, and where they came from. Um, so there are four covers on the album and those are um, the nineties song. Everybody hurts. That was originally um, written and performed by Michael Stipe and REM. Um, and that song on the record features Ty Herndon, who is a veteran country artist. Um, I thought it would be really fun to put artists that maybe are typically known for being in other genres, pull them into sort of the, a little bit of a jazz bubble and see what happened. Um, so Ty, the country artist is on Everybody Hurts and it's an extremely different version than the original. Um, and then there's a song called Side by Side, which was written in the 1920s. I grew up singing it with my sisters and my mom. And I pulled in um, Kate Flannery, who I feel like when I first mentioned her name, not a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, wait, who? Um, because she's not known as a vocalist or a singer. She's an actress and she played um, the redheaded drunk woman, Meredith, on the Office series. <laughs> So um, she's a wonderful singer and she's just, uh, she's hilarious and a great friend. And um, we had so much fun doing this little big band tune side by side. Um, let's see, the other covers are, I did a mashup of two songs also written in the 20s or 30s. Uh, Happy Days Are Here Again, not from the not from the TV show. Um, <laughs> and um, Come On, Come On, Get Happy. And they, they both were actually sort of mid-tempo, up-tempo songs originally. 
But in 1963, Judy Garland had a variety show on TV and she always had special guests that would come on and do songs with her. And she pulled in Barbara Streisand and they did a mashup of these two songs together and they did them real slow and torchy. And so we kind of took our, took a page out of that book, so to speak, and did um, a big band-ish arrangement of those two songs with a dear friend of mine from Southern California. Her name's Leah Booth and she's an up and coming jazz singer. She's incredible, very, very good at what she does. And let's see, the fourth cover is, um, it was originally recorded by Michael Jackson on his Off the Wall album. It's called I Can't Help It. It's been one of my top five favorite songs since I was about 13. Um, and it was written by Stevie Wonder um, and co-written by a woman named Suze Green, who was actually one of the final um, Supremes. Um, went after Diana Ross had left and there was some other people who came in and um, Suze Green was one of them. She co-wrote this song and I did it with a dear friend. I keep saying dear friend because I literally chose every person on this record to sing with because I loved them as singers, vocalists and, and actual friends. So um, another LA guy, his name's Charles Jones and he's just remarkable. He plays uh, piano for Andre Day and Jennifer Hudson and uh, a couple other people and he's just an amazing singer as well. So those are the covers. And then there's six originals and um, I had Tori Kelly sing on one um, that I kind of wrote with her in mind called She Was Here. Um, another young lady by the name of Allie Brooke who used to be in Fifth Harmony. Uh, she did that same song, She Was Here, but in Spanish with me. I had it translated into Spanish. We did that together. Um, Nikki Leonti, who is a, originally a CCM artist, and she um, became an L.A. person for a while. Now she's in Nashville. Um, she sang on a song called Take the Chance with me that I wrote. Um, let's see. There's a song called Luckiest that features, a, again, dear friend, <laughs> a wonderful artist by the name of Mike Murray, who uh, lives in Montana, which I lived in Montana for 10 years. So I met him there, and I just he's an independent artist. I love his writing. I love his voice. I really wanted to feature him on this record in some way. And so um, he's on a song called Luckiest. My kids, they're in their 20s. Uh, they both sing on a song called I Won't Forget You, which is about my mom who has Alzheimer's. Uh, so that's a highlight for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, that experience getting to record with them, but also just the song itself, um, talking about remembering, but also potentially forgetting. And that's been our experience with Alzheimer's with my mom. So um, I know I'm forgetting something, but what am I forgetting? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds incredible. That's an incredible collection. And how like amazing to be able to pull in just you know, singers that you love, singers that are friends and to have that, you know, collective experience together. Was that the album cover? Yes, this is the CD. Um, it's it's two different covers. I have one on the CD and one digitally because I couldn't make up my mind. Um, and as an independent artist, I could do that. Um, and I didn't forget anything. I named all the songs. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm assuming that we can find it anywhere on Spotify, on iTunes. Oh, yes. Digitally, it's it's anywhere you listen to music, um, the CDs are only available on my website uh, or at live shows. Yeah. 
Amazing. And yeah. so what was the, what was the studio experience? You mentioned that you got to actually record with everybody. Um, did everything take place in the same studio or were you kind of going other places? My bass player, Trevor. So first of all, I was able this time to record all of the music with the musicians that I've been playing live with for the last couple of years. So that was so fun mm -hmm. to, I love them. I think they are, I mean, I hire them because I, I like to play with them and I think they're very, very uh, talented and gifted and capable musicians. And so um, we spent one day rehearsing and two days in the studio and I was looking for a studio and my bass player, Trevor, he goes, oh, I work with this guy. He's a saxophone player up in LA. He's got a great spot. Okay, so we end up going there and we ended up recording, I'd say probably 85% of the album there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was all based on people's availability. You know, I'm pulling, uh, I think there's 16, 14 or 16, I forget, artists total. And um, not everyone lives here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. uh, people are on tour and they have families and they have trips and vacations and whatever. And it was during the summer and fall last year. So trying to get schedules to coordinate um, uh, was a challenge. But um, for the most part, we recorded at the one place in LA um, when it was convenient, uh, like my, the song with my kids and my friend, Mike Murray, we, I recorded in Montana, uh, because I went there for Thanksgiving and was like, okay, let's kill three birds with one stone here and get, get it done. So we recorded at my son's studio in Montana, which was really fun. Um, I think we did a couple things here in Orange County too, but it was a, it was a long several months of sporadically hopping into studios to get it done because there was just, I had to accommodate everybody else's uh, time frame. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear it. And I, I promise I'll have it memorized, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your plans for it now? Is it something that you'd like to do a tour to support it or um, where are you going with it? Well, currently, so far, I've done two shows, uh, one in February when the first single was released. I did sort of a Kickstarter. Um, it wasn't only Kickstarter supporters, but it was open to them first. Um, we did a show just sort of introducing all of the songs. And then May 13th, when the album came out, which was just last Friday, um, we kind of had the official album release party slash show. Mm -hmm. And I think I had six of the artists that were able to come and be present and sing with me, which was just such a gift. It was so much fun to do, not just do the songs live, but do the songs live with the person that, yeah. that sang on it. So I have two more shows coming up. Uh, both of them are in Southern California. Um, you can go to my website for the, all the details on them, but I would love to tour. I do not have uh, representation. I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I don't have a booking agent. So cold calling venues myself has kind of been uh, how I've booked these things and, um, and moved forward. And so uh, I'm hoping to remedy that in the coming months and be able to 
do shows outside of California right now. That's just what's efficient and available to me. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I spent the majority of the 90s on a bus living on tour and every record that came out, we were out on the road. So uh, I know there are connections, even though obviously I'm pursuing um, a different genre and therefore different kinds of venues than maybe what I would have played in the past. But, um, and unfortunately that's proved to be a little bit difficult for some of these smaller like jazz club venues when they say, you know, send me your whatever, your YouTube channel or something, or they'll look me up on various platforms and the stuff that comes up is not <laughs> what I'm currently, you know, trying to promote. And they think, oh, that doesn't fit our, um, our clientele or, you know, our, and it's like, no, 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 that's from 20 years ago. <laughs> There's a new thing. So it's, it's, it's a strange um, fine line to be walking or a balance to find between being a veteran artist of 30 years mm -hmm. and being a new artist in a lot of ways to a lot of people. And that's very uphill um, most of the time. And so um, I'm not, I kind of feel like I'm just hitting my stride in a lot of ways, which is strange because again, three decades, I'm 52. I have an awful lot of experience doing this. And yet I feel like, oh, okay, I got it now. You know, I'm just figuring some things out and getting more and more excited about what I'm currently creating and presenting and performing. And um, so I'm, I'm not ready to throw in the towel by any stretch. The hustle is still very real. And um, yeah, just figuring out how to figure new things out all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the genre shift because that's got to be huge when you have established yourself in one vein of music for decades and then to shift. Was there a lot of like conflict around that or, or you know, what was the feedback that you got from your fan base? You know, not anywhere near the pushback or conflict that I had actually expected. I was sort of bracing myself um, for more negative feedback and I just didn't get as much as I thought I might, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I think, I think it's a beautiful gift when, um, when people come along with you and there's sort of a collective evolution that's taking place um, in our lives in general. And, um, I mean, my, someone like Tori Kelly, for instance, is in her late twenties. And I love that she remains a fan. She was at the show last week. She sang her song with me last week and she stayed for the whole show, brought her husband and hung out. And it was so refreshing to have, you know, I had also, my longtime fans who are my age and people who are my parents age. And it's, it's been a beautiful gift to see. Um, I don't know, to see people kind of hang in there with me and, and think, okay, well, we really kind of liked what you did before. And so we don't totally understand where you're going, but we'll, we'll come along <laughs> anyway and, and see where it leads because we appreciate whatever it is you contributed, you know, before. And so we trust that whatever you contribute in the future is going to be equally as valuable in some way. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't. I now I've lost your question because I <laughs> got off somewhere else. Well, we we're just talking about the genre shift and, oh, and yes, you know, yes, yes. Uh, if it was easy or not. I I would imagine because you started in the business so young that yes. you know, and you're you know having major record deals and everything. That at some point, did you ever feel that you were locked in and not able to? try out other things because when you're that young, you don't know truly what you like yet. You're still developing as a musician and, you know, you're still exploring the world, right? I mean, did you, at, along the way, did you ever feel like you wanted to kind of break out of what you were doing or what was yes, that? Yes, absolutely. That's a great point, truly, that um, we so think we know who we are and what we like and what we want. And we look ahead to our future and think it looks a certain way. Um, and I do think that uh, without attempt, without intentionally speaking negatively about my upbringing or anything like that, but there is a sense that sp specifically, I think in the um, Christian music world, um, and in the more legalistic denominational um, environments mm -hmm. um, in which I was raised, um, there's a sense that sometimes it's not spoken, it's just sort of inferred, and sometimes it's very clearly and plainly spoken that you have to do this one thing. And if you don't do it, you're in sin or you're wrong or you're headed the wrong direction or god isn't happy or your dad isn't happy or whatever i'm yeah. not saying that was the case with my parents but were always very supportive my dad remains love beautifully supportive of me um even now which is so great but i definitely experienced that sense of like well shoot i can't you know i can't not do this because mm -hmm. i'm not allowed to not do this um i i do feel like i push the envelope somewhat on several records, which I'm so grateful I had the courage to do that. And I had the support to do that with the various labels that I was on. Not that I didn't have to put up a fight <laughs> for some of it. I did. But um, I I think I think the the true courage to finally just decide, I'm just going to turn this corner and go do this thing. It came with age. And um, and allowing myself to evolve, and allowing uh, allowing myself to sort of like push against the walls of something that I had built around myself. I'm not. I don't put all the blame entirely on other people, but that other people have put around me too, and I'd mm -hmm. allowed it in many ways. And you have to uh, become aware. Um, and I keep using that word allow. I, you have to become aware and allow yourself to experience the growth and that um, forward momentum because it's so valuable as you get older. And and to look back and say, oh, I I did like that. Not mm -hmm. like, oh, I thought I liked that, but I don't. I did. I absolutely did love what I did and why I did it and all of that. I love, I don't despise my story or my history at all. Uh, I needed all of it in order to help me get to where I am. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful, so grateful for it. But also 
um, so grateful for the this next season and this next uh, phase because it brings joy. It brings me an immense amount of joy and peace. And um, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so uh, reflecting back, would you say that there's anything you wish you knew then that you know now as, as an artist, would you have changed the way you progressed? Huh. That's such a great question. That might take me several days of processing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, other than what I already, what I just said in terms mm -hmm. of like understanding that it's okay to change your mind mm -hmm. and understanding that that's part of growth and that seeing things differently and asking good questions and being prepared to wrestle with the answers. Mm -hmm. um, that I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just sort of did what I was told, even though I'm, I'm the oldest of three girls. I was bossy. I, uh, learned how to, um, I was going to say, I learned how to, <laughs> I was going to say, I learned how to get what I want, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, um, learned how to let go. Okay. This is what I want. Here's how I want to explain to someone on, that's on my team or on my side, this is what I want. That mm -hmm. took me years and years. I was very timid. I did not use my voice in that way mm -hmm. often because I was taught inadvertently as a young child and then as a teenager. And I got married at 19. I mean, I was very young when I sort of moved from my dad's house into a husband's house and... Um, was inadvertently taught to defer mm -hmm. and to let other people make the, the decisions. And so as much as I would on occasion say, I don't want to do this song or I do want to do this song, if somebody challenged me on it, more often than not, I I would I gave in. Mm -hmm. And um, as I got older and became a mom and just became more and more confident, um, realized that I did not have to do that, that all the time. I mean, I could compromise. Compromise is not bad, but when you make your own self small and say, okay, I guess my opinion doesn't matter. I'll let you make all the decisions, whoever you is. Um, that's when stuff becomes a problem and you start to lose bits and pieces of yourself. And mm -hmm. I had to go through a long season of recovering my own voice, um, both figuratively and literally, um, and find new ways of um, kind of salvaging who I was at, and then merging that with who I've become mm -hmm. um, as a, as a, I want to say an older woman, which uh, is true. <laughs> did you ever, um, did you ever take a break from the business? <sighs> kind of yes and no. I, I moved to Montana in 2006 uh, my kids were 10 and 12 at the time, mm -hmm. and I didn't intend to take a break. I kind of was under the impression that I could just work from anywhere as long as there was an airport nearby and mm -hmm. all of that. But um, life happened, and then the economic chaos of 2008 happened, mm -hmm. and um, the music industry drastically shifted around that time as well. 
uh, all the streaming services began to change everything around that time. And uh, we had grown very accustomed to making a very good living, making music and selling CDs, you know, right. like physical things. And, um, and all of a sudden people weren't buying CDs anymore. They were, they were buying songs for 99 cents initially. And then they weren't even buying songs. They were just doing the streaming services, which of course is where we are now. Mm -hmm. And it just threw a major wrench in the wheel of yes. our entire uh, blueprint. You know, mm -hmm. our whole business model was like shattered and we had to kind of, we did not regroup well to be honest. And okay. that was, um, that, that just changed things. It changed the way, um, we made records. It changed the way I, I wasn't touring anymore. Um, and I had a lot of obstacles to navigate my way around to find if I wanted to do it anymore. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I definitely forgot how to write a song there for a while. Um, a lot happened in the span of, I don't know, 10 years, a decade or so, um, that made it really difficult for me to, for sure made it impossible, honestly, almost say impossible to do what I had been doing. Yeah. Um, but in the end, in the long run, it kind of brought me to a place where I had no other choice but to regroup and reassemble all these pieces and um, put something different and new together for myself and um so yeah yeah and that's in the last six years seven years yeah yeah, yeah. that's I, gosh I, I hadn't even thought about that but that had to be just like a shocking shift you know to you yeah. how long do you feel like it took to kind of restructure the way you operated in the business I mean you you literally had to change reinvent the wheel so yeah. did it take years and years or do you think you're still reinventing the wheel? Yeah, yes and yes. Um, I think it took the entire, so I was in Montana from 2006 until the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. um, I would say three quarters of my time in Montana, I felt uh, fairly lost uh, mm -hmm. on multiple levels. Um, I think probably in about, I, my first Kickstarter that I did was in 2013 and I made a record. It didn't come out till 2015. It took me that long to just sort of write something and get it, you know, created and produced and all that. Um, th the making of that record was sort of, uh, the first, um, let's see, I guess because, I don't know, I just always have these weird visuals in my mind, I was going to say, I guess, because I'm, I write things. Um, the, uh, the visual in my mind was of being in a pit, and it was like the first rope that got thrown down to like try and help hoist me up and out was the making of that um, project that came out in 2015. And interestingly, um, it was self-titled and that's something that typically new artists do, right. you know, when you initially 
create your very first album. It's like introducing you and you just call the record your name. Yeah. And I had never had one of those. I never uh, titled an album my name before. And for some reason, I just felt like in that moment, that was the appropriate thing to call the record because it felt like a transition. It felt like a new, uh, there's a song on the record called um, Beginning Again. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like. And it was a very CCM centric album. Um, I made it with a good handful of musicians that had been in my band years before that I knew really well. And so it felt like a safe space for me to create and come back to myself. And um, it definitely felt like the beginning of the beginning, you know, in a yeah. way. Yeah. So that, but that was 2015. So now here we are in 2022 and I definitely feel like I am still navigating like, okay, well now how do you do this? Because right. I'm now doing something else. The industry keeps shifting under our feet and, um, there, and social media keeps growing and changing. And so there are always these new ways to, attempt to advance your uh, your career mm -hmm. and it seems like they're always new so you're always having to figure out the new thing and the next thing and so it's 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 hard yeah <laughs> it's fun. there's a lot of fun things about it too i'm really grateful to have kids in their 20s who explain things to me <laughs> yeah. and just seem to just know things so that's nice <laughs> yeah um, I'm curious, you're, you're so right that, that you, you know, when you're doing it independently, you wear all of the hats. You're, mm -hmm. you are the marketer, you're the marketer, you're the financial person, you're, uh, the distributor, all, all the things, the tour manager. Yes. Um, and you mentioned that you, you are not currently with the manager. So what do you do to cover all of those bases? Do you, do you hire people to help you or do you just manage it on your own? I, uh, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I definitely have the past six years um, had to do every single thing on my own, which mm -hmm. I have really appreciated and actually enjoyed because I always had people to do everything for me. And I love that now moving forward, when I do find myself in a position to be able to hire someone, I will have a very clear idea of what I need done, how mm -hmm. I want it done, what is going to be the most beneficial to me, while at the same time being very open to somebody else's guidance and ex expertise or experience or whatever. Um, but I at least now have such a good idea of the job that other people um, do. Mm -hmm. um, for this record, for Together We Can, I did two things that I had not haven't done yet. Um, I hired... A, a PR for a publicist mm -hmm. to um, just help me get the word out for um, this album and pitch, you know, various publications and podcasts and um, interviews and that kind of thing. Um, and then I also moved my entire catalog. So it's 30 years worth of songs and albums and both old and new over to a new digital distributor. Uh, mm -hmm. I was managing it all myself. And which granted the digital distribution, um, and I love, I wanna pause and say, I love this summit thing that you're doing. Um, in 20, 
eight, 17 and 18, I started a workshop, like masterclass-ish sort of thing called Find Your Voice. Yeah. And um, I pulled in friends and people from the industry to talk, and it was just a one day in person, of course, um, fun thing that we did. And then since COVID, I haven't done it. And so I'm very excited and anxious to get back to doing those things. Mm -hmm. But I love I the idea of it being a three day virtual, like, oh my gosh, I just think it's such a brilliant idea. I just like want to applaud you for doing Thank that. You. It's so cool. <laughs> um, but along the lines of learning things and how to do stuff, like I had to figure out and so another pause. Sorry. I love to interrupt myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I was divorced in 2016. Well, separated in 2016, divorced in 2017. I had been married 28 years. Um, my ex-husband was my manager, booking agent. We owned a label together. Like I had a lot of experience in that department, but I also had people, him specifically doing everything for me. Mm -hmm. So when I found myself in a position of uh, having to do it all myself, I learned how to do the, the digital distribution. Like, okay, what are the platforms that you use? How do you upload your files? How do you convert your files? How do you add them to the thing and, you know, monitor them and manage them and all of that. And I will say that the companies that I used, I used both TuneCore and um, DistroKid and they're pretty no nonsense. Like once you spend all the time and energy getting everything uploaded into the system, um, there's not a ton of admin that you really have to do. I mean, maybe p other people are more conscientious than I am as, as, a, as a monitor of those things. But uh, for the most part, it kind of runs itself and it's fairly no nonsense. Um, with this record, I was just sort of ready to take the next step and have mm -hmm. some admin help in that department and make sure that everything was being done correctly, that there were um, maybe playlists, curated playlists that my songs could be pitched to and that kind of thing. And that's not my forte. So I, I, I put all my stuff into a uh, company and a platform that included all of that and is doing that for me. And it's a very, um, like I have their phone number instead of like a help section. On the <laughs> website. You know, like I, it's personal. I get to interact with them when I have questions. I went and met with them in Nashville when I was there. And I love that. I now feel like I have a team. Mm -hmm. um, they're not handling my day-to-day -day admin you know, career stuff, but from the musical side, oh my gosh, it's the most freeing, beautiful, good decision I think I've made so far um, to do that. So the PR and the digital distribution, both of those things have, have really helped me um, move forward uh, with a little bit more like sense of calm. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I'm still managing the, you know, the booking and um, social media and all of the other stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's such an important lesson knowing that, you know, going through this process that it's so important to zero in on what your strengths are mm -hmm. and use those and don't be afraid to, you know, outsource or look for people who 
are experts, you know, at certain things so that you're not trying to, you know, learn an entirely different set of skills. You know, there, there are people, uh, things are so accessible to us now with things being on, you know, um, contractors, independent contractors online. And I mean, just services for everything. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, pretty affordable. Um, yeah. And so that's, that, that must've been quite the process. Yes. And then, and then, yeah, switching, transferring all the files from over here, which I spent so long, like mm-hmm. initially uploading and then having to pull it all. And they were just a huge help in, in doing all of that, and making that happen too. So it was a seamless, a relatively seamless process, but now it feels like, ah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Good. That's great. I, I wanted to, if we could, I wanted to go way, way back quickly. Cause I'm very curious about how you got your start. If you're coming from a musical family and how, what that journey was like for you. Yes. So I grew up, um, I'm sitting in orange County, California right now. This is where I was born and raised is in this general area. Um, my parents are still here. They moved away for a while and then they came back and I moved away and I came back. Um, But my dad was a pastor here in Southern California. My mother was a phenomenal musician, just like a stellar, incredible pianist, clarinetist, singer, songwriter, just amazing. And so I learned from a very early age singing with my mom and my two younger sisters. And that was my musical education mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, and then I auditioned for a musical called High Tops when I was 15 years old. And that was the initial domino that kind of eventually knocked the rest of them down. So that was my, my early start was that audition and doing that record and that we did a big video and traveled with it and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! Well, I'm so glad that, that uh, Domino fell in love Like I said, you know, amazing. I'm so thrilled to know that you're still putting out music. You've got something brand new out there. Um, if you don't mind, tell everybody again the, the name of the album and where you can find it. Yeah. So. Together we can. Um, my my website is just crystallewis.com. And um, I, you can buy the CDs on there. And I have these super cute bandanas I wanted to show you because um, someone made these for me. Ooh. <laughs> I love they're that. So, yeah. They're so fun. Um, I also, this, there's a painting back here that's, um, or a print that's the same artist. I love him. He's a local um, Long Beach artist and I hired him to make these for this record. So I have those on there as well. Um, other than that, the album's available on Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Pandora and I don't know, YouTube and where all, wherever all the other people listen to music. I don't know. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer.
And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how.